Today's scripture reading is going to come out of the letter to the church in Galatia, written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, You've been reading in Galatians this week as part of our Read Through the Bible this year's plan through the New Testament. And so today we're going to cover the entirety of Galatians, but we're only going to read a few verses. I know you got worried there for a second, but we're only going to read a few verses. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 9 together. So again, Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some of you, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. This is a reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, we do have Kingdom Kids today, which is our ministry for those who are four years old through second grade. If that fits your kiddo, they're going to get together over here with our Kingdom Kids workers. If you have a child that has not participated in Kingdom Kids yet, you'll just want to accompany them over there, get them registered for Kingdom Kids today. And then most importantly, don't forget to pick them up after church today. We're right next door, downstairs in the education building. Uh, That's where you can go to pick up the kiddos. And then, of course, you'll grab them and any of the nursery kiddos. And we're going to be heading over to the Christian Life Center next door and the Fellowship Hall over here for lunch afterwards. And let me just uh, reiterate again that you are all welcome. Maybe you said, well, I forgot. I didn't bring anything. Uh, We almost always have plenty of food, so you do not need to worry. Just come on anyways, and we will have a good time together and of course, we have our business meeting right after that. And uh, if you're not a member, you're not expected to stay for that. So no worries. I always give a little bit of a a two-minute warning to let everybody know we're going to start. So if you want to just come and eat and head home, that's okay. But if you're a member, we do ask if you can, please stick around. Because we have some important things to discuss as a church family uh, that we're really excited about. Okay. So Galatians, let me pause and let's pray together before we take a look at this really important and helpful book. Our letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today, and God, I'm just I'm thinking of those who uh, who may be struggling in their faith, maybe struggling to understand what it means to be saved by grace, and, and maybe Father, they would uh, confess that they believe that, but it's not bringing the peace and the hope and the joy into their lives that they that they should have as Christians. And I, I pray for, for those who are here this morning that may have bought into this idea that it's up to them to make things right with you. God, maybe they put so much pressure on themselves that, that they too lack the joy and comfort of being your child. And I pray for those who, who may be here this morning and they've embraced the good news of Jesus, but like all of us, they are not quite living it out to its full extent yet. Would you help those of us in that category today to live by your spirit and not by our flesh. Father, we need your help in all these things. I need your help to share this message. We need your help to receive it and to live it. 
So we pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit you administer to us during this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give a disclaimer before we get into this letter, which is uh, I want to share something with you. But before that, let me say that you know my life as a Christian has been pretty messy. I don't know what it's like for you, but it hasn't been. I got saved, and I'm marching towards Jesus, and it's just a vertical line up, and I'm almost there. That, that's not my experience. That's not my that's not my testimony. I think messy is a pretty good word to describe my path with God with some ups and some downs and stretches of obedience and stretches of disobedience. And I'm guessing that's probably something like what you've experienced as well. So, so I'm sharing this with you at the beginning because I, I want to talk to you about my own experience with the good news of Jesus. And I want you to understand that I'm going to share this in a way that seems like it was all clear and, uh, you know, like it, it just all fit together and it was all nice and neat. But I assure you, it wasn't. Okay, just I can't go into all the details in one sermon. So, so I just want you to know that even though I'm going to explain it this way, there was a lot of confusion and a lot of praying and a lot of doubts and a lot of struggles along my path as a Christian. And I'm guessing that that's probably been the same for you. As I, as I was reading through Galatians, I was thinking about my own encounter with the gospel, because that's what this book is about. It's about the truth of the gospel. And as I was reading through that and thinking about that, uh, I realized, you know, and I've thought about this for s- several years now, is that I've really had two conversions in my Christian life. The first one was my conversion to Christianity. It was becoming a Christian for the first time. And that took place in my life when I was 16 years old. And, and, I, and I've shared this story before, but just growing up, you know, going to church very sporadically and then becoming very active in our student ministry and hearing the good news over and over, but it not clicking until I was 16. And I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit sharing with me the truth of the things I've been hearing that I am a sinner and I do have a savior in Jesus and that coming together and me understanding that. But I, I had a second conversion too that actually took place quite a bit after that. It was, it was probably around year nine of ministry so this would have been probably a dozen years past when i actually became a christian my first conversion as i'm putting it here today and that second conversion it's it's still a little hard for me to explain but i went from more mental knowledge to a warmth of my heart that i knew i was a child of god and the way i might have put it then is i realized i really can't mess this up i really am god's kid He loves me, and even though I keep failing to live up to his ideals, and I'm trying, most of the time I'm trying, uh, I know that he's not going to kick me out of the family. Now, I never would have said before that that I thought he was, but it was just my own internal experience was I had not fully embraced this good news that when we come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, he seals us with an adoption that cannot be revoked. No matter how poorly we live at times, it stretches. That our faith that gives us hope is not dependent on our faithfulness. It's not our faith. It's the one in whom we have faith. It it wasn't my level of confidence in God. It was the fact that God, regardless of how I thought or regardless how I felt, was one in whom you could be confident. So there was this shift in my understanding that on the one hand, and and again, like I said before, I'm putting this, I'm condensing a lot of years experience as a Christian down 
into a few phrases. It wasn't this neat. It wasn't this easy. It was very uh, challenging and confusing at times. But I understood in my first conversion, I was saved from my sins and saved for heaven. That might be a way to put it. First conversion prepared me for heaven. But my second conversion prepared me to live in light of heaven here on earth. Began to understand what it means to be a child of God here and now and to have this confidence in him. And it came through, um, it came through the teaching ministry of a guy named Timothy Keller. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that name before. Anybody ever heard that name? A few of you. Pretty well-known pastor who uh, did a church plant in New York City uh, some years ago, I think in the late 80s. And he, he actually recently just passed away from cancer. And he has become for me kind of like a hero in the faith. So that was really hard to, to see that and to hear that. And they just had a, a big public memorial service for him that you could watch online this past week. I couldn't even watch it. I just still kind of just in shock that, um, that he's gone. But he became like a hero of the faith for me because he helped me get this. I put it this way before, but, but this is how I've come to understand these two conversions in my life. Is it, is it, is it, it's as if you go to the bank and you owe an incredible sum, you have a debt that is impossible for you to pay. It's not in the millions, it's in the billions. And you know that there is no chance, no matter how many lifetimes you may get, for you to pay that debt back. You know, it's as if you're sitting there in the bank and those who operate the bank, they come to you and they say, you know, well, we've got some good news for you. Your debt is totally excused. You now owe nothing. Now imagine the relief you would feel in that moment, right? Wouldn't that be amazing that that you don't have this crushing debt just weighing you down? You are free from that debt. But when you walk out of that bank, how much money do you have? Nothing. Nothing. And my understanding of Christianity was that. My debts are forgiven, but if I want something in the bank, you know, I got to work on this. I got to maintain... You know, this bank account, because I really messed up before taking out all those loans and eating out every day and all that kind of stuff. You know, I really kind of messed things up before I accrued that debt. I owed that debt. That was mine. Now that it's forgiven, I don't want to be back in that place. I have to work to maintain it. And that was my way of understanding Christian faith. And when I began to 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 understand it, that there's there's more to it than that, that is a significant thing, though. I don't want to downplay that at all. The forgiveness of debt, and, and, and as we're talking about the Christian faith, when we talk about the forgiveness of sins, that is not a small thing. That, that forgiveness we experience, someone had to do the forgiving, right? And if you've ever had to forgive anybody for anything, you know, if, if someone's really hurt you, it is hard to forgive. You know, if somebody bumps into you at the grocery store, and, and they, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. No big deal, right? But if somebody intentionally crashes their card into you again and again and knocks your stuff everywhere, you're going to be a little bit upset about that, right? It's not going to just be a, it's not just going to be a light encounter anymore. Now, that's a silly example. But you and I, you know what it means to be wounded by someone deeply. And you know how hard it is to forgive. And when you forgive that person, you know what it costs you, don't you? You're not exacting a payment from them that they owe you. You are letting the debt go. And that is a 
painful and hard thing to do. Imagine God letting the debts of the world go. That is no small thing. Someone had to pay that price. Just like when you have to forgive someone who's truly hurt you, when you forgive them, who's paying that price? You are. You are taking that pain within yourself and saying, I'm not going to exact it from them. I'm letting them go free from this. I will take the pain. See, this is what God is doing for us in Jesus. Jesus, who is God, the Son of the Father in heaven, when he goes to the cross, what is he doing? When he is being nailed to the cross, it is a symbolic act that is not mere symbolism. But it actually accomplishes something. It is God saying, this is what sin costs and I will pay the price for it. And that is no small thing. But there's more to the Christian story than forgiveness of sin. As important and as huge of a thing as that is. There's more to the story. And and that's what I began to discover even a dozen or so years into ministry was that more. So go back to the bank analogy. You walk out of there with nothing, right? And now you've got all this pressure to maintain an account that was once in an enormous debt. But what if the conversation with a person who's over your account goes something like this? Not only are your debts forgiven, but I've got really good news. A deposit has been made in your account. You're walking out of here Not with millions of dollars worth of debt. You're walking out of here with millions of dollars in your account to your credit. See, when the Bible tells us that we are not only forgiven, but we're made right with God, that is in essence what's happening. Is that not only did Jesus take our sins and forgive them, he takes his righteousness and credits it to our account. Now, what does that mean? It means all the perfection that Jesus displayed in his life on earth. That gets credited to our account. That when God looks at you and me as a Christian, he sees a perfect son, a perfect daughter. Someone who it was as if they had never sinned. It was as if they always did everything right. It was as if they were righteous, even though they were not. Not only are our sins forgiven, but we are given a righteousness. We are given a righteousness that was earned by Jesus. So that when we are in this relationship with God, I don't have to worry over and over. Did I do enough? Am I enough? I can't can't seem to get away from from this or that. I, I, I know the ideal and I can't live up to it. That was my second conversion was to understand that. Debts forgiven, righteousness received by faith. So Paul says this in Galatians 3.26, and this became what I understood about my standing with God. So in Christ Jesus, not so in your righteous acts, not so in your personal goodness, no, no, no. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That understanding that sins forgiven, righteousness received, not only a child of God, but a beloved child of God who will never be cast out of my faith family. It it was as if I, I, I was taught not only how not to drown when swimming, 
but how to surf the waves. And it was transformative. I understood not only what I needed, what I needed to be prepared for eternity in heaven, but I, but I began to understand what it means to live in light of heaven here on earth. And those things transformed my faith. So to me, it was like another conversion. Now, I'm not saying I got saved all over again. It was just that kind of impact. And it's uh, kind of comforting to me in a way because I know that that's not unique. I've, I've heard that story from other people who, who come to faith earlier in life. And then they go through some trials and difficulties. And they come out on the other side and they understand God at a whole new level. And so it's not uncommon for us to have those experiences. But I think it's interesting that, that you find something like that in the Bible too. And that gets us to the letter to the church in Galatia. Galatia was a, uh, a church uh, in that area that Paul had started on one of his missionary journeys. And he gets word that this church, that there's been people who have infiltrated the church... And they begun to teach things contrary to what Paul taught. And we read a little bit about that. Uh, Paul is astonished, chapter 1, verse 6, that they might hear the good news of Jesus. And yet, at the same, uh, just not too far after, not too long after that, they would hear other teachings that were contrary to the teaching of the gospel of Jesus and be tempted by it. He's so frustrated with them that they would disregard the fullness of the gospel for something more that he, he, he calls them foolish in chapter 3, verse 1. Foolish, why? Because they allowed themselves, and this again is Paul's word, to be bewitched by those who wish to throw the Galatians into chapter 3, verse 7, confusion. That's why Paul is writing this letter. He shared with them the good news. People came after him. To, to adjust the good news, to change it a little bit, to make it better, to improve upon what they had heard from Paul. And Paul says that is actually no gospel at all. This is not good news at all. So, so what was it that they taught? Because I think this is, this is going to be, this whole letter, I think as a whole, is very helpful to us as Christians. Uh, what was the thing that they taught? They were teaching the Galatians, Jesus is great and all, but you've got to maintain your account. He forgave the debt, but you need to add to it. And in particular, what, he, what they taught the church in Galatia was, you've got all these Mosaic laws, particularly uh, the ceremonial laws, specifically the issue of circumcision comes up. It says, you know, you've got faith in Jesus, but you need to do this other stuff too. You've got faith in Jesus, good. Add to it obedience to all of the laws. And now you're, now you're really talking about salvation. Add to the work of Jesus your own work. That is still a temptation for us today. That we are tempted to do the same. I think of it like this, like you know when you're driving down a road... Even if it's a really straight road, you got your hands on the wheel and you're always making just very minor adjustments, right? Even more so if you're on a very curvy road, but you're always making those adjustments to stay in the right lane, to stay on the path, right? 
No matter, no matter what, you're always, always. Now, I know one day we're, gonna have, we're all going to have self-driving cars. Personally, I can't wait because I love to nap in the car. So I'm looking forward to that day. But it's not here yet, and we still got to keep our hands on the wheel, and we still got to make these little adjustments. I think in our Christian life, we move in and out of, out of these two ideas that challenge the true good news of Jesus. And we're always having to make these adjustments to make sure that we're on the right path. Galatia had fallen off of one side. And at the end of the letter to the church in Galatia, Paul warns about falling off on the other side. What are these two sides? The two sides are issues of, and these aren't words uh, original to me. I've heard these for years. But these two things fall on either side of legalism or licentiousness. Those are the two ditches on either side of the road that as Christians we have to avoid, of course, with the help of God. We have to avoid becoming legalists. But we also have to avoid becoming licentious. Legalism was the major concern of Paul in the church in Galatia. So we're going to start there, okay? Paul saw that what was being taught to the Christians there was you need to add to your faith in Jesus observance of the law. And like I said earlier, uh, most likely they were being taught about the ceremonial law, not the moral law, not the Ten Commandments. As much as like what to eat, what not to eat. Uh, and, and specifically what's mentioned in the letter that was a big deal was the need for circumcision. That's how, that's how you prove that you are in the family of God. And Paul is rebutting all of that. Saying, no, no, no. Let, let, let me read some verses to you so you can see how Paul is thinking. In chapter 5 verse 1 he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. One way to think about that is is if our Christian faith is a constant burden to us. Because we never feel like we measure up. We we are constantly being told or telling ourselves the message, you've got to do more, you've got to do more, you've got to do more. That God's not happy with you. You have to please Him. Your account's been forgiven, but you need to maintain that account. And you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to do that. If that's our Christianity, which was very much my Christianity for the first half of my Christian life, we're really missing out on the freedom that Paul talks about in chapter 5, verse 1. That if, if our Christian faith feels oppressive, if, if it feels like slavery, which is one of the words that Paul likes to use in, the, in this letter to the church in Galatia. He likes to talk about this. Like, like that's slavery. That way of thinking, that way of operating under the law, that's slavery. Christ has come to set you free from that. He would say in chapter 2, verse 16, he says, We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We're not made right by our work but made right by Jesus. In the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 11, he says, Clearly no one relies on the law, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And there Paul is, is quoting the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4. So he's laying out his case here. Legalism is to say if you don't follow the law, then you are not right with God. And there is the ring of truth to that. 
If we don't follow God's law, then we're not right with God. That's the first part of the story. But what about what comes next? So Jesus was right with the law for you. And you no longer have to maintain that account. He's got it taken care of. It's under his control. He has it. So that's legalism. I need to add to my faith in Jesus works of the law in order to maintain my account with God. And the trouble is, is that we will never know if we've done enough. We will always be wondering, did I do enough? Did I do enough? If you know the Bible at all, you're going to know that there are standards in there that you are not going to meet every single day. And you're going to feel the pressure of that. You're going to feel the weight of that. And your faith is not bringing you joy. It's not freedom. It's not hope. It's that crushing debt of legalism all over again. Paul is saying very clearly, listen, that's not the good news. That is not the gospel. Remember what you heard at first. Embrace that and live out of that. Now that brings us to the second temptation, the other side of the ditch that we got to avoid. Because some may hear that and think, well, then that means in our Christian life, it doesn't matter what we do. We can do whatever we want. I've got my fire insurance. I'm a Christian. I'm avoiding hell. So that means I can live however I want. Now, I will tell you, anyone who is a true Christian will not be able to think like this. Because the Holy Spirit lives in them. And will not allow them to go down that path. The Holy Spirit will be convicting and drawing them back. Even if they fail a lot. There will be something in them. The Holy Spirit in them. Drawing them to live a life in line with the gospel. So this is the ditch of licentiousness that we want to avoid. License is kind of the root of that word. It means I have... Freedom, not just from sin, but I have freedom to sin. I'm not just free from hell, but I'm free to live like hell here on earth. I'm free to do whatever I want. And that's not the kind of freedom that Jesus came to give us. It's not a freedom that gives us license to live however we, our flesh, may want. Rather, it is a freedom to live in light of the good news. Which is that God has loved us enough to give us Christ. And so Paul says here in chapter uh, 2 verse 20, which is perhaps one of the most well-known verses in all of Galatians. If you have a copy of the Bible or you're looking at it on your phone, I would encourage you to underline, highlight this verse. Paul, Paul is, is saying, you know, there's another side of this ditch you've got to avoid. And, and he gives his own personal example. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying, I'm leaving behind legalism, but that doesn't mean I have a license to live however my flesh wants. Rather, I died to myself, what I wanted, how I used to want to live in the flesh. I'm dying to that. Now, I can't make this clear enough. It doesn't mean that when you become a Christian, you sin no more. I hope that that's been clear so far, but just to make it extra clear. But there is a desire implanted in us by the Holy Spirit, and there's progress made in us through the work of the Holy Spirit that we become more like Jesus as we progress in this journey. And I will tell you, it's slow. 
And it can be discouraging. But it's God's work in you. And he is at work. But someone who may not be a Christian, maybe they think of themselves as one, or maybe they're exploring Christianity, or maybe they are a critic of Christianity, they may hear this whole idea of grace and say, see, that's a problem. You're set free from your sin, and now what? You can just live however you want? Others may see, not that, see that not as a problem, but as an opportunity. But we avoid that ditch of legalism not to fall into the other ditch of licentiousness. No, Paul says, you've died to yourself, which in Galatians he talks about living by the flesh. That's dying, that, that's works of the flesh are the things that we desire in our sinful nature, that God does not desire for us. Paul says, contrary to that, what I want you to do, now that you are standing in the truth of forgiveness and righteousness through Jesus, having faith in Jesus, now I want you to live, I want you to walk in that truth. And the only way we can walk in that truth is in partnership with the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. So another very well-known and very important portion of Galatians comes from chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And this is where Paul says to the church, So I say, walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, he says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do whatever you want. He's saying, yes, it's going to be a battle. You're going to feel this internally as a Christian. That that your flesh wants to sin, but you also have the Spirit in you, drawing you to live as God would have you to live. But we engage in that battle. And that, that's, that's the mark of the Christian is they engage in that battle with the help of the Spirit. Not that they get it right all the time. Not that they're perfect. But by the Spirit living in them, they want to be like Christ. They want to be like Jesus in how they live. And because they want that and they're inviting the Spirit of God to help them do that, They're making progress, however slowly, in that. And therefore, they're avoiding the ditch of licentiousness. And so, I I want you to, hopefully you've been just kind of examining your own faith in this. And you've been thinking about how you relate to God. And how you see Him. And, And I just want you to... Be honest with yourself and be honest with God in prayer. And just, are you trapped in a cycle of legalism? Do you feel like, sure, my account, my debt's been forgiven, but I've got to maintain it myself? Does Christianity no longer feel like freedom and joy, but it feels like a weight you can't bear? Is that where you're at? Or maybe for others, it's, it's, well, no, I know my account is forgiven. I, I even maybe believe my account got full. But, but now, I, because my account's full, I can use that money however I want. I can use that credit however I want. I can live however I want. And there is no freedom in that either. Christ did not come to set us free so that we could be free to live as we want. 
Christ came to set us free so that we could live freely in the ways that he wants. And here's the thing. That sounds restrictive, except for when you realize he actually knows what's best. Any parent has gone through this, you've realized this, you've, you've, you've experienced it, or, or if you're, even if you're a child, maybe you can resonate with this, that a parent often tells their child not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. A parent guides their children and restricts their decisions and, and, and gives them boundaries, not because they're trying to squish, squelch, uh, squelch or, or squish down their fun. That's not the intention. A parent does that because they love that child and they know, you know, if you put your hand on the stove, you will be burned. And that's going to be bad for everybody. Right? A parent knows often what is best for that child and, and they are trying to equip them to have a full life. And a full life doesn't include burn cream. Right? If that's true in our human relationships, and, and if you're a parent, you know this, you're an imperfect parent. Right? And I'm standing in, in that same line with you. If we know that from that temporary human perspective, how much more true is it of God? Maybe for you, the sticky point of Christianity is that you want to live life the way you want to live it. You want to be in charge. You want to be in control. And essentially, that's what they're doing in Galatia. They're saying, I want to be in charge of my own faith. I want to make it happen. Paul says there's another side of this that's very ugly. And that's to live as if we did not have God in the first place. But God knows what he wants for you. And I hope we would embrace by faith the truth that what he wants for us is actually the best thing we could possibly receive. So where are you in this, okay? Again, all of us are making course corrections on the road. We're all trying to avoid one ditch or the other. It's part of the work of the Spirit in our life to help us to walk in light of the gospel. And there's always going to be temptations to fall into this idea that I have to add to my salvation or my salvation gives me freedom to live however I want. We may not say it like that, but that is often our experience. And we're always trying, we've got to just make these little bit, little bit of correction here and there so we stay on the road. And that's why the Spirit of God lives in us to help us do that. So let me ask you, what is the Spirit of God saying to you? Are you heading towards one of those ditches? Even if it's just a little bit off, given enough time, that's where you're going to end up. Is there one of these ways in which you, you, are, you are tempted to head off that way? What can we do about that? God helps us. You do not maintain your position on the road by yourself. God has given us the Spirit to help us. Oftentimes it begins with an honest cry to God, God, I am struggling with this. Legalism, licentiousness. It often begins with that honest confession and opening yourself up to the Lord and sharing the struggle that you're having in your current walk with Him. And that's where I want to encourage you to begin today. It's talking to God about the things that He has talked to you about through His Word. So let's go to Him in prayer and do that. Father God, I thank you for this incredible letter to the church in Galatia and for giving the Apostle Paul the words to share with them. And 
And God, I, I just pray for those who are struggling here this morning. And, and God, their Christian faith doesn't feel like freedom to them. It feels like a to-do list. Help them see that was never your intention. And God, perhaps there are those here today that feel like their Christian faith gives them a freedom that you had never intended them to have either. Maybe they're realizing the ends of that freedom and it's also not joy. But it's just captivity all over again. Father God, you you tell us in your word here to walk by the Spirit. So we come to you now in prayer asking that your Spirit would guide us. Show us what corrections that you desire to make in our lives that we can have a fuller and richer relationship with you. God, at the center of it all is our faith in Jesus. May we be able to say together that we have been crucified with Christ and it is not we who live, but Christ who lives in us. That the life we live now in the body is lived by faith in the Son of God because we know He has loved us and has given Himself for us. So, So may it be true that That we live by faith in Jesus in a way that shows how loved we truly are. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. you stand with me for our invitation? If you need prayer this morning, I invite you to come forward for prayer. Maybe those around you that you'd like to pray with. Let's use this opportunity to respond to the Lord as he leads.